The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Christ. A leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And he sternly charged him, and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to the people. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Grant, O Lord, that thy word only should be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have some wonderful, wonderful readings this this morning. But um, if you'll permit me to take a liberty, since we have uh, so many new people that have joined us in the past years, I'm going to take a look at Lent before Lent actually starts. Um, to help people understand what it is we do. So I beg you that indulgence. Um, so to look at Lent, I think the first and best place to start when we look at the actual season is what the word means itself. Now, Lent in common usage is stuff that comes out of the dryer, right? But that's not the way we use the word in church. The word Lent is actually Old English, pre-Shakespeare, if you will. Uh, and it means springtime, spring. The time of the year when days lengthen. The time of the year when life returns to the world. The time of the year when things warm up, thaw out, come to life. Lent. So the word has an association in our day of either stuff that comes out of the dryer or a time in church when things are really somber and and no fun. But the origin of the word has everything to do with life New growth, spring, light. Now, the other origin of what we speak about when we speak of Lent comes from the Latin quaresima, which means 40 days. So when we talk about Lent, there's springtime, but there's also a period of 40 days, 40 days before Easter. Now, if you're new here and you started counting up, you're like, well, Ash Wednesday is way, it's more days than 40s, so what's going on, right? So actually in church, 40 days can often mean something else besides 40 days. Uh, The 40-day period of Lent does not include the Sundays or major feast days 
are the days within Holy Week. So Lent is actually longer than 40 days, but Sundays don't count because they're feast days. And days like the Annunciation to the Blessed Virgin Mary don't count. It's a feast as well. So 40 actually means a little more than 40, but there you go. So 40 days, spring. Now what does this word point towards? What does the season of Lent point towards? And the first thing we need to think about, I guess, is springtime itself. And outside of our life of faith in the secular world, there's a lot of yearnings this time of year, right? Every, after every New Year's Eve party and on the first part of the year, if you're connected to social media, everybody comes up with their New Year's resolutions. We make new starts. We start over. We try to better ourselves, become better people. We take the opportunity late winter and spring afford to become better, become new. It's also a time in most people's houses when they do spring cleaning, right? We get all the junk that accumulates year after year out of the closet. We clean the dirt out between the floorboards. We get the smudges and grime off the windows. We start our house anew. We give it a new life, a fresh take. So there's a lot that goes with this idea of springtime, new life, resolutions to become a better person. New life, new beginnings. We plant gardens. Now, the 40 days has a lot of biblical precedent for this period of time. We begin with Moses on Mount Sinai. He goes up, spends 40 days and 40 nights on top of Mount Sinai, receives the Ten Commandments. So 40 days and he receives an act of mercy from God. An act of mercy that allows Israel to live within a righteous relationship. They are given the law. This is how to live a righteous way with me, your God, and with one another. An act of mercy. Moses receives an act of mercy. You have Elijah going to Mount Horeb. In the Old Testament, Elijah goes up against Jezebel. Jezebel, first of all, kills every prophet almost of Israel, except for those who are able to escape to the cave. And so Elijah challenges the priests of Baal, Jezebel's priest, to a duel of gods. Elijah ends up winning that duel. And then at that point slays every one of Jezebel's priests. And then knows his life is over because of what he has done. And he goes into hiding. He wants to die. He sits down to die and God provides him food and strength and grace and mercy to survive. So Elijah does the right thing, what he has to do in the face of death itself. And in those 40 days, God gives him grace and strength and mercy to face unsurmountable odds. The flood of Noah is one all the church school children know, right? Noah and the ark. 40 days on the boat and the world is made anew, given new life, new hope. The Israelites wonder... In the wilderness, 40 years. At the end of that 40 years, they receive the promised land, a home. Nineveh. Jonah goes to Nineveh. They have 40 days to repent. And they do. They redeem, renew, rebuild a society. And they're given grace to do so. And life. 
And our Lord, as we all know, spends 40 days in the wilderness being tested by Satan and fasting to prepare himself for his public ministry. He is given grace and strength and affirmation to do so. So 40 days is the period of time in which God can move in our lives. God can change us. God can affirm those things that need to be affirmed in us. We can receive mercy and grace, new life, home, repentance, strength and grace. So that is the essence of Lent. What we want to accomplish. New life, new beginning, and time for God to make us new. So Lent then is a 40-day period of new life, new growth. Is a renewal. If you, someone ever says, well, why don't you Episcopalians ever have revivals? We'll say, well, we do every year. We have two of them, Lent and Advent. We have two long ones. I've never seen a Baptist revival go 40 days, but we do every year. So tell that to all your Baptist friends. <laughs> Probably won't work, but try it anyway. 40-day period, new life, new growth. It's a time when we renew our faith when we repent, when we prepare for, we spend this time preparing for Easter, great and holy Easter. In the early church, this time was extremely important. It was the great baptismal feast. So candidates for baptism would spend the entirety of Lent in preparation for Easter in their baptism. Those who had been excommunicated from the church were given that time to repent, become new, So this period of time was very sacred within the church. So how do we, who are not living in the early church, how do we renew our own faith and our own repentance? And there are four things the church has prescribed since its conception to do so. Prayer, penance, self-denial, and almsgiving. That's what we work on. That is how we renew our faith and our repentance. Prayer first. Lent affords us the opportunity to increase the amount or duration we pray. Lent allows us to go about coming up with new devotions, taking on new devotions, and renewing old ones. But why? Why prayer? What is prayer? Is a question we must ask. Prayer is communion with God. It is uniting yourself with God. So... When you pray, you are united with God. When you do not pray, you are not united with God. So the more we pray, the more we are in communion, the more we are united with God. So it is extremely important. It is essential to our salvation that we live a life of prayer. Lent helps us with that. Now, the church will be offering many offerings during Lent. First of all, we have daily morning prayer starting the day after Ash Wednesday, that'll be in the chapel at 8.05. That's an ancient rite, monastic rite that the church has always considered foundational. The monks pray daily, five or six times, depending on where you are. We take that in the morning and evening prayer. It's two main daily offices. So we'll offer morning prayer each morning for the faithful to help increase their prayer life, renew their prayer life. On Wednesdays, we'll have Holy Eucharist at noon in the chapel. A chance to take 25 or 30 minutes out of your work week and come commune with Jesus in the Eucharist. There will also be 
healing, unction, after, immediately following the Eucharist for those who need or desire healing of their body, soul, and mind. Those things will be offered. Wednesday nights will gather for even song and a sermon series that explores Lent, that explores acts of mercy, how we live lives as Christians. And after even song on Wednesday nights, we'll gather for fellowship with a soup and salad dinner. Sunday nights as well, we'll have another offering. At 5 p.m., we'll gather for the Stations of the Cross. Stations of the Cross, another ancient devotion that follows the path of our Lord to Calvary from his arrest to his burial. There are 14 stations and meditations on those different aspects of his passion and death. And we'll end the evening with another ancient devotion called Benediction of the Blessed Sacrament, which looks at one particular point in the service when the priest elevates the elements of communion and we adore them. It's a wonderful way to end that. So there will be different opportunities throughout Lent for you to deepen your life in prayer, to renew your life in prayer. I encourage and invite you to do so. Now the next thing is penance. The next focus of Lent and tool of Lent is penance, self-examination, repentance. Now, what that means is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And of those of you who might have grown up Orthodox or been to Orthodox churches, you will notice the Sunday before Lent is an unusual one. It's called Forgiveness Sunday. And the people of the church, it's kind of like passing the peace, but more in depth. They go around to every parishioner who is there that day and beg their forgiveness. Please forgive me for any sin I've committed against you. They ask the community they live in to forgive them of sins. They go around asking, begging everyone's forgiveness around them. Penance. Repentance. They repent. They turn anew to the Lord. So it's a time for us to forgive others. That's an impediment, impediment to salvation. Lent is a time for us to think about those that we have not forgiven and forgive them. For those who have not forgiven us to offer ourselves as forgiveness. For us to forgive ourselves. For us to allow God to forgive us. It's essential to our salvation that we do this. It's essential to our salvation that we also spring clean our soul by self-examination. Looking at ourselves and seeing what part of ourselves is an impediment to salvation? What part of ourselves stops us from living a righteous and holy life to God? What part of ourselves works against our salvation? Self-examination, penance, repentance. To look at those things and repent of them. To turn away from them. That's the second part of Lent. The second tool Lent uses. The third is a very difficult one here in Mississippi... Evangelical Christianity really shuns this, thinks this is not worthy. And in some instances, this really goes against what's now called the gospel of prosperity, that God wants you to have things and be happy. This is called self-denial. You abstain from worldly pleasures, from worldly luxuries in your body, in your speech, and in your mind. Abstain. Salvation, again, is impeded by luxurious indulgences a lot of times. So with your body, you abstain from addictive things. You abstain from laziness, abuses. 
And the main one, the main way to do that is fasting, which is an ancient practice that goes all the way back to the Ninevites and Jonah and before that. It's when you give up food to show God you are serious. The Ninevites put on sackcloth and ashes. They didn't eat, not even the cattle or the animals. They, everyone fasted in Nineveh. They did it to show God we are serious, to share in the hunger of the world and to give up those things that are luxurious. So fasting is a bodily prayer. It's a way of offering yourself to God in a physical way. Our prayer book asks that during Lent we fast on Wednesdays and Fridays. That means at the least taking two half meals and skipping a whole meal. It means giving up meat, things like that. You've often heard people say in the South that, well, I'm giving up chocolate or Coca-Cola, things like that. Those are self-denial. And that's a practice to do. And it helps us in our quest for holiness, to give up luxurious things for Lent. Now, the other way, besides bodily, is in our speech. Now, I know none of us do this murmuring or gossip or have prideful speech or talk negatively about anything, right? Is it just me? I guess maybe. Maybe just me. But Lynn, is a time to think about how we talk to others, how we use our words. Words have power. Words have meaning. Do we murmur? Do we gossip? Speak ill of others? Are we prideful in our speech? Are we negative? It's a time to examine that and to spend Lent working on or giving up speech that hurts, taking on speech that helps, speech that is positive, humble, that builds others up and doesn't tear others down. That is self-denial as well. Self-denial of the mind and pure thoughts thinking evil things, selfish thoughts. It's often thought that if we think things are not sinful, but if we think things, it usually leads to doing things. And that is where the battle rages. So if we spend time trying to control our thoughts, not letting our minds wander to gain control of our minds and our thoughts, that also is an act of self-denial. That's the third tool. Finally, there's almsgiving, which is, in its broadest sense, giving materially to another. Money is a huge impediment to salvation as well. It's mentioned more times in the Bible than anything else, and it's mentioned for a reason. With money, we depend less on God than we do and on ourselves. We depend on ourselves more and God less. That's true in everyone's life. I know in mind, it's hard not to worry about the end of every month. It's hard not to worry about where money will come from, where it will go. It's hard not to depend on those things and not on God. Money is tough. The corrective to those things, to worrying about money, to obsessing about money, is to give. To give liberally. Almsgiving includes giving to your church, to your charities, to the poor, especially to the poor. It helps. It's a corrective to obsessing with money and worrying about it and letting money rule your life, to coming to the worship of money. 
in giving, we learn that we are dependent on God. We learn that we are connected to the world in real and tangible ways. We learn that we are all in God's image and to all of God's image we are given to care for. And really and truly, if you think about your faith, money is the most real thing in the world. We can think thoughts all we want. We can have ideas. But put your money where your mouth is, as they say. Money is the most real thing. So when we, when it becomes a part of our life of faith, when it becomes something we offer to God, when it becomes something we are liberal with, it helps deepen our faith in a true and real way. So those are the four tools of Lent. Prayer, penance, self-denial, almsgiving. Now there are a bunch of other things we can take on. But when you think about the season of Lent, think about Lent as being a revival, a time of new life, a time of new beginnings, a time of spring cleaning, a time when light and life come into the world. In a 40-day period where God gives us his grace and mercy and makes us anew. Those are the four tools we use to do that. Prayer, penance, self-denial, almsgiving. So we got two weeks or a week and a half until Lent starts. How will you spend your Lent? I encourage you to spend that time before Lent starts thinking about what parts of your soul need a good spring cleaning. Where are the smudges on your windows? Where is the junk in your closets? Where is the dirt in your floorboards? Some ways to do that is what did you hear that I said today that perhaps scared you? What did you hear about Lent that aggravated you? That might be a good place to start. Spend some time thinking about what keeps you from living a life to God. What keeps you from being holy? What holds you back from being who God calls you to be? That are the things to think about as we approach Lent. What can you work on during this time of spring? Lent gives us an opportunity. We can either not do anything, not work on our salvation at all, and think about it as nothing more than stuff that comes out of a dryer, or we can look at it as a gift and spend Lent working out our salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.